Radio welcomes you to the Lions Den with your hosts Michael Heiger and Louis Bellotta. Uh, yes, you are listening to the Lions Den here on Impact Sports. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Michael Heiger, and join with me as every week are my co hosts, Chris Bogus and Louis Bellotta. How's it going, guys? Hey, everybody. How's it going? How'd you guys enjoy your weekend? Ugh. Ugh, it was yeah. all right. That's how I feel about the Lions uh, game on Sunday. It was just all ugh. And, of course, we're going to be recapping that Lions loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Not too many losses we've recapped on this show, but we're going to be recapping this one. Uh, Lions going down 14-6 to to Arizona. And we're going to have some topics coming up uh, from that loss. And then, of course, we're going to be previewing next week's matchup with the New England Patriots. Do the Lions stand a chance against the mighty Patriots? We'll discuss. And also an interesting, you guessed it, Indomitian Sue topic. So bum, 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 bum. So we got a jam-packed show for you guys today. And we're going to get started with the Lions 14-6 to disaster against the Arizona Cardinals. And... Just a quick scoring summary. Most of the scoring came in the first quarter. Uh, game started out and didn't look too good for the Lions at the start with a 42-yard touchdown pass from Drew Stanton to Michael Floyd. Uh, Michael Floyd, who's somebody who has been pretty cold the last couple weeks, was able to find some holes in the Lions' secondary. I think specifically Cassius Vaughn. Guys, watching Cassius Vaughn on Sunday, it was pretty disastrous, don't you think? Yeah, it makes you uh, regret them getting rid of Danny Gore. That is true. <laughs> they did, uh, to give Kyle Van Noy his roster spot, they did release Danny Gore, who's now on Baltimore. Had a pretty big interception for them. So, uh, it just You don't even know who this guy is. You've never game. even heard of him before he gets to Detroit, and then he leaves, and you're like, damn, they're like, who's that guy that should be playing there? Who's this Cassius Vaughn? And you're just confused, and you're like, Danny Gore made that much of an impact? Like nobody even saw that. But had you, nobody had even heard of Cassius Vaughn when he came here. I heard of Cassius Vaughn. Had you? I, had. I hadn't. I had. Okay. He no. He's he's joking. No, I did. I did know <laughs> of him. I didn't think highly of him, but I knew of him. Neither of them will be missed. If well, Danny Gore. Right now, missed. Danny Gore is missed. Cause I'm like, who else can they throw out no, there? And I was stumped because they couldn't Gore. throw it. Any- nobody misses Danny Gore. Oh yeah. Well, guess what? Michael Floyd caught two receptions for two touchdowns the whole game. Yeah. Because of Cassius Vaughn. The whole game, just the first 10 minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, six min- with six minutes left in the first quarter, Michael Floyd had already caught his second touchdown pass. It was a 12-yard pass from Stan, but, I mean, guys, he was wide open that first quarter. And for once, I think the Lions' secondary was completely exposed. It did look a little bit like that Falcons' first quarter um, a couple of weeks ago in London where Julio and Roddy White were able to find some holes in the secondary, but this was troubling. I don't. It, it seemed a little different from that Falcons game, and I don't know if it was the level, the the level of the team that the Lions were playing this past week compared to the Falcons or the Saints, who have, who they've fallen behind in the past. 
But when the Lions went down 14 nothing, I just had a really bad feeling in my stomach. And I really just did not think that they were going to come back. Did you guys feel the same way, or did you think that there was still a comeback possible? I, I didn't. I'll go first here, Chris. I didn't immediately, but I definitely did after the second half because that wasn't the Falcons. That wasn't the Saints, you know. That wasn't it. Those teams were mediocre at best, and the Lions just had to get it going in order to win. But this is the best team currently in the NFL, and you can't be mediocre and then just turn it on. And the Lions were exposed as, you know, the cardiac cats, but they're not that against elite teams. They're only against, like that against average to below average teams. I wasn't, I wasn't in, like, I was a little nervous when, when they ran the score up that quickly. But you got to remember the, the Lions defense, you know, so far, this whole, you know, they've been uh, reliable all year. And uh, they start off a little slow, so I, you know, you got to give them more than a quarter to, you know, acclimate to the home field advantage the Cardinals have, and the fact that it, all it was was a busted coverage because Michael Floyd found the same spot in the end zone, that front right corner. It was just a busted coverage that Drew Stanton picked on. They they just went right at Cassius Vaughn twice. They fixed it up. Terrell Austin didn't let it happen again. Didn't let it happen for the rest of the game. Well, Matt Prater did give the Lions some hope in the first quarter. Uh, kicking a 50-yard field goal to uh, make the score 14 uh, for a clunker. Yeah. Uh, and he, he had a pretty good laugh about it. I wasn't laughing myself <laughs> um, just because of all the Lions kicking, kicking woes that we've had the past few weeks. But he did redeem himself with a 28-yarder in the second quarter to make the score 14-6. to And going into the half, guys, you had to feel pretty good about the Lions only being down eight points. It was still a one-score game going into the half, and it stayed that way for the rest of the game because yeah. that's where the score that's where the score stood. Neither team was able to put up any points in the second half, and scores lines fell fourteen to six. And a lot of people had issues with the refereeing in this game. Uh, Lions got called for a lot of penalties. Nine penalties in total for 80 yards. Arizona only four for 35. Then there were some also some pretty questionable calls that were reviewed out on the field and also weren't reviewed with spots on the field. And then also the big Jeremy Ross kick punt return, whatever that was that they reviewed and said. I'm still not sure. Yeah, I well, they said that he was down at the one yard line, and the the NFL actually did review that play yesterday and said the refs made the right call on the field. I'm still confused. Though. I disagree. I, I Maybe I just don't get it. I just need a better explanation. Is I feel it? like it's one of those things that's going on right now with like just with the law or like one of the, like Adrian Peterson or Ray Rice or something happens and they're like, oh, we reviewed it and it's okay. Okay, why? Like I need more explanation. I don't need, I don't need, I don't even know it's okay. That doesn't help me. Well, it didn't look okay. If Mike Pereira does the in-game argument saying, oh, that was a crap call by the refs. You have to question that. How, how can they, you know, Mike Pereira. Oh, uh, it's Mike Pereira. He's hey, the referee you know guy. There's a reason that they talk to him in game for big big uh, ref calls like that. Yeah, I don't I, I don't hate on Mike Pereira. I mean, hey, what, just saying uh, with this whole Calvin Johnson rule that's in place, I mean, he got that call right during that game, as I recall. He said that will not stand, and he was right. I mean, he's a pretty credible guy in my book. He's I, very credible. I, I think he's extremely credible, but I think this was a play where they don't usually review it because usually when a player catches a ball and pushes it back out of the end zone, it usually gets downed at the three- or the four-yard line, and the team doesn't have a reason to review it. And because Jeremy Ross returned it to the 49-yard line, of course – the Cardinals wanted to review this play. And I think if other teams were to review this play, I think you'd see a lot of situations where 
they actually are down at the one yard line, but the ref just doesn't see it at that time. And I think it's something that just doesn't get reviewed. And so it just doesn't get called. And I think this was just a very weird, bizarre situation where there actually was a reason to review the play. And the refs actually did make the right call because that was what is in the rule book. And just because you don't see it called, you feel like, well, it's not the right call, but in the NFL rule book, if you're going off of the NFL rule book, they made the right call, and the NFL confirmed that yesterday. Counter. I have a counter. Okay. Whistle wasn't blown, and the guy was, I don't know the guy's name, he was falling backwards, right? Shouldn't the Calvin Johnson rule sort of apply to a, a play like that? That's not he, a scoring play. No, I know it's not a scoring play. Possession of the ball, though, whatever. You're falling back into the end zone. That would negate the fact, that would turn it to a touchback rather than a one-yard line. Hang on, hang on. And if he's falling back, he got rid of the ball because he knew he couldn't stay where he was. That would make the ball still in play. Whistle wasn't blown. I just don't see it, guys. And that's why Mike Pereira, you know, didn't agree with that. I think the Calvin Johnson rule is something that would apply to a play like that. I know it's weird and unorthodox, but do you see where I'm coming from? I see where you're he, coming he, from. You know, I don't think I'll just unless like somebody sits me down and like reads the fine print. I'm still never going to. When someone it. when someone goes to make the play on the ball, they catch it, they stay there, they take the knee. That's where the ball's dropped. He was falling back. The play was still happening. It was slow and you know not as exciting as the first diving save made by the other cardinal, but it was still happening. He was they were still trying to possess the ball on the one yard line for the Lions. If you watch the slow motion replay, though, the ball is in his hands, and he had possession of the ball, and then he pushes it out of his hands. And the rule is, if you have the ball in your own possession, and you push, if you have the ball in your own possession on a punt return or a kick return, then that's where the ball gets down. And so that's why the ball was down at the one yard line. The refs made the right call here, guys. It's what the, I know. It's not something that gets called that often, and I know it doesn't seem that way because of it, but. They made the right call here if you look at the specific NFL rule book. They really did. I think it's something that hasn't happened before in the league, and they're going to have to go back and review it. Yeah, because <laughs> it's funny because that seems like it's been something that's happened a lot with the Lions in the past few years. Something that doesn't really happen a lot, so the NFL has to go and review the rule, and then usually that rule gets changed. If you remember Jim Schwartz on Thanksgiving throwing the challenge flag, yeah. or even the Calvin Johnson rule where he didn't complete the process. And so it's just something that, I don't know what it is with the Lions, but they get... They get screwed by some of these bizarre rules sometimes, but, I mean, it is a credible NFL rule, and they made the right call on that. Yeah, let's not dwell on it anymore. Ugh. Yeah. I just, I just don't even, even want to. All I have to say is why. Ain't got time for that. Lions fans can't handle any more of that. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, guys, I wanted to stay on the topic of the referees because on that yeah. Lions final drive where they were trying to get down – they would have they would have or it was the Cardinals final drive, excuse me, and it looked like the Lions stopped the Cardinals on third down at two minutes, and the Cardinals would have had a punt and the Lions would have gotten the ball with about two a little under two minutes left, without any timeouts, but with a chance to go down the field and score and tie the game after a two point conversion. And replays showed they the referees definitely did not make the right call there. And I and I'll agree with you guys if you agree with me that the refs did not give they the refs did not give uh, the Cardinals a correct spot there, but oh Lewis right now is showing us a picture, picture of this exact play and it shows picture. that the line stopped Larry Fitzgerald I believe that was Larry Fitzgerald that's, yeah that looks like a yard that's, short that's yeah. a half, side of me unfortunately for the Lions they kind of got screwed by another 
rule where if you don't have any timeouts and it's not under two minutes, you can't review. It can't be reviewed. And Which is a dumb it was, rule. And the clock was exactly at two minutes. The Lions so, didn't uh, get screwed by a rule. They got screwed by a poor officiating crew. And I'm putting at least... Okay, the Lions, they should have scored a touchdown, yeah. But the referees are responsible for holding... You know, they're accountable for maintaining a clean and professional game. And these refs were messing up. They messed up more than once. So are you of the belief, like I saw many other people on Twitter, that the referees lost the Lions this game? Absolutely not. I'll let Chris answer that, but absolutely not. No, the Lions lost the game for themselves, but the refs did not help. It takes momentum. Like that in the first half, the Ebron spot, I didn't see it. I was listening to it on the radio. Definitely sounded like he crossed the first down line. I can bring up that photo, too, okay. I think. Okay, bring that photo up. I've seen a side-by-side of both. Yeah. I, I'm wondering if and I retweeted that's how it. Bad, that's that's, that's how bad for. it was. Is they're all over Twitter. Oh, and, yeah. you know, just the fact that it's all over Twitter just puts up dispute. You know, it's like th- these refs have, like, there's like seven of them out there. They go and they have all this time to review it, and they're still not making the right call. It's just, it's questionable. And it's got to, you know, someone's got to be held accountable for these kind of mistakes. It's just the NFL. You know, there's not a lot of games like this, but there shouldn't be any. You know who should be held accountable is the Lions, because all nine of those penalties that were committed by them were penalties by the Lions, and they were dumb penalties by the Lions that they should have never been called for. And I want to and I want to uh, call out one specifically, and that was Julian Stanford, the special oh, teams the Ebron captain. Photo oh, real there's quick. the Ebron photo. Ebron. I know you can't see it while we're here on the air, but guys, it's the wrong call. Anyway, one man, call man. that the referees made correctly, and I think was absolutely disgusting, was Julian Stanford, the Lions special teams captain, getting called for a taunting penalty. Special teams captain of the week. Special, Yeah, special teams captain of the week. Special team captain never again. Never again, because guess that was a 15-yard penalty on the Lions with two minutes and 42 seconds left, down by eight. You have no reason to taunt. And Julian Stanford went out and said, well, I let my emotions get the best of me. It was a tough game, a tough time in the game, and it's just unacceptable. It, it, I, it was very undisciplined, and it will not happen again. But guys, you... Should, that should never have happened in the first place. That was a Jim Schwartz team esque that was the type that, move but there. That's you know what? That was the first time we've seen really something like that all year. So you know, very true. One but it always, of, it always bites you games, in the worst situations. Out of ten games, one. Um, you know, g- good job, Jim Caldwell. I hope you chewed him out real bad. I hope so too. And I didn't think it was much of a taunt, but it was a taunt and. Like I said, that's the NFL rule book, and that's you know going to get called every time. Didn't he do it towards the Lions side too? It wasn't no, I think it was towards the Cardinals. I don't bench. know. I don't remember. I, I, I well, because they didn't really show what what side he was facing towards, but I believe that was towards the Cardinals bench. And if not, it was probably towards a Cardinals player who was down on the ground. True. So I think that was a dumb penalty, and really all nine of the penalties that were called against them were dumb penalties. I think there was a point where Rob they got... Rob Sims was having a real bad game. Rob Sims was having an awful game. The Lions couldn't get Drew Stanton's snap count correct. I mean, guys, here's Drew Stanton who hasn't... It's Drew Stanton. He used to back up Matthew Stafford. He, 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 is, a, he is a career backup NFL quarterback, and you let him throw a, for a career-high 306 yards? Come on. And you saw some of those throws out there. His two picks were awful throws, just completely awful. Interceptions by Bynes and Cassius Vaughn, but it wasn't. You, a, it you was to the Cardinals sideline, by the way. Was it towards the yes. Cardinals sideline? Okay, that's what mm-hmm. I thought. 
But just a comparison between Matthew Stafford, who used to start ahead of Drew Stanton, to his former backup. Stafford finished 18 for 30 for 183 yards, no touchdowns and a pick, a 27.5 QBR. Drew Stanton, 21 for 32, 306 yards, two touchdowns, two picks, and a 70.5 QBR. And so I think the lot, and so I think the numbers speak for themselves right there. Where what happened out there? Where all of a sudden Drew Stanton is able to throw for a significant amount of more yards than Matthew Stafford? When Stafford is Calvin and Golden Tate with him, pressure on the quarterback. Boom. More than just that, I want to go back quick to the ref thing though. The referees just added fuel to the fire of what you exactly just pointed out. The two reasons why the Lions lost, one, Stafford did not play well. It was very clear he did not play well. And two, the play calling of Joe Lombardi. There were questionable calls, just like last week against Miami. There were several third and ones, second and ones, where you have Jed Collins, you have Joyke Bell, run it up the middle, why not? But no, they're in the shotgun formation. Of course the team's knowing what you're doing. You're going to throw the ball. Like, it's not creative. Again, again with the Lions running the ball. It's so easy to tell. There's no disguise. The delayed handoffs are so delayed, everyone can react. How predictable was that Jed Collins handoff on third and so one? So predictable. I will You're, say this not, much, though. That's the first time Jed Collins has not been able to convert on a third and one this year. This is true. But still, it was predictable, like you it said. It was predictable. And you're not going to be able to run predictable run plays against an Arizona defense. You might have been able to get away with it against the Saints, against the Falcons, and probably even against the Dolphins. But I think the Lions' offense and their predictability was exposed against Arizona. Another you thing, know, too, though, real quick, is that I'm starting to hate. Stafford locks on to Calvin in the worst situations. You're just now starting to hate that? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm starting to voice that opinion. I think I said it once on another podcast before, but it was on the final drive that the Lions had possession of the ball. It was like the third and four. You knew he was going to Calvin the whole entire time, and so did Arizona. And I think Terry Foster tweeted out, Golden Tate was wide open. I knew there had to have been other players open too, but you knew he was going to Calvin. He knew that before the play was called. Calvin is the guy I'm looking at, and there's, that's not a bad solution. But sometimes you need to not have that mindset. You know what though? I don't know if I want to blame Matthew Stafford just yet. I'm first going right to Joe Lombardi. Oh, I'm not blaming because you know what Joe Lombardi said. He said go to Calvin. I'll bet you he said that. What a cop out play! Well, and I'll let the numbers speak for themselves because Calvin had five catches for 59 yards, which is a very mediocre Calvin game. He got thrown to 12 times. Yep. When you're only completing five of 12 passes to your top receiver, there's a problem there. And I know he was blanketed by Patrick Peterson and the safety, who I believe was Tyron Matthew on him too. So he was double covered most of the game, but five out of 12, that was seven out of Stafford's 12 incompletions the entire game. All to Calvin Johnson. Golden Tate, Matthew Stafford, Stafford threw to Golden Tate twice, and guess what? Both of the balls were caught. He threw it to Ebron four times, and both those were caught. All four of them. So look at that. that that's we that's, also found out that Ebron cannot block. He can't. No, not at but, all. They need Pettigrew back. I can't believe I just said that. I yeah. can't believe those words just came out of my mouth. But they need Pettigrew back. That they do. You look at these stats, and all you can think, uh, none of this is. This is all Joe Lombardi's fault. I'm putting him on the hot seat. 30 throws, 18 completions for Matthew Stafford. But look at Joyke Bell. 14 carries, averaging 6 yards. Per that was carry. great. Why do you not keep... Okay, Arizona's rush defense is kind of high. 
Who cares? If you're making 6.1 yards per rush, you keep doing it. I don't care how boring it gets. Keep doing it, swing route to Golden Tate. Why are, why are you not throwing to your offseason acquisition more than twice? That's sickening. Locking on to Calvin Johnson, making Matthew Stafford look one-dimensional, making the Lions look one-dimensional, making them look sad. It's well, all I, Joe's fault. I think one positive that did come out of it was Joey Bell, who had his largest yard per carry average of the season, 6.1 yards per carry. Then also the Lions' longest rush of the season, 33 yards. Can you believe that 33 yards was the Lions' longest run That's of so the season? Bad and so and we're sad. headed into, what, week 12 now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and Theo Riddick really showed up, too, didn't he? Oh, he showed up. I started him on my, on my fantasy team. That was a Because we told you to. He, was, he wasn't given a chance at all. This was true. That's poor, a chance. It's poor two coach. carries for two yards, but I they should have used him more out of the passing game. Three catches for 24 yards, and guess what? It was pretty predictable when they were throwing to him, too. Only half of the targets towards Theo Riddick were completed, and I think that also goes on Stafford's inaccuracy. It has to. I think it's, a, it's not all Stafford's fault, but, I mean, honestly, I know, Chris, that I like the Joe Lombardi blame because I think he has he definitely has a hand in it. He was brought in here to turn him into Drew Brees, and that hasn't happened. But Stafford does fit fit the bill for some of it. Some of it. Like, the interception that he threw, that was literally a, I'm an inexperienced Madden player, and I'm going to throw it to Calvin Johnson because he's the only football player I know in this game. Yeah, that's, but that's literally because, how that play went. But have did you, wa- did you watch the way their offense was... Okay, they're down 14 to nothing in the beginning of the first quarter. They were playing from behind the whole game, and that's how he was calling plays. He was calling third and long plays on first down, on second down. He wasn't running. You can't only run the ball 14 times when you have Joyke Bell in the backfield. He's proved that he can rush for 100 yards every game, and you're not using him. It's poor calling. You're not calling the right plays, and he's got to be put in question. He's got to be put on the hot seat. I have a question for you guys. Who is more responsible for the Lions' offensive flaws, the offensive line or Stafford himself? Because Rob Sims looked awful. He looked absolutely awful out there, and he has for most of the season. Well, how, how can the offensive line be to blame if they're getting 6.1 yards per carry with Joyke Bell? I mean, yeah, they didn't do That's very good point. pass protection. Matthew Stafford's not getting rid of the ball fast enough. Is that necessarily his fault, though? They're not calling the right place, and I'm sticking with that. They're not calling the right place ever. I have to agree with Chris. So you guys are on the side that they need to run the ball more. They need to do a lot. Yeah, they the, need to it's r- not just running the ball more. It's running the ball in correct situations, they need, like you a know, third and one. Run it on first down, and if it worked, run it on second down, and on third down, do play action. You never see play action. Why can't we see play action? Because it's so they'd make it so predictable if they did. Because he sucks at calling plays. Because he's not an offensive coordinator. I don't care if his last name's Lombardi. He's got to go. I don't like him so far. Bam. Lions 5 for 15 on third down. It's pretty bad. Yeah, because they were in the shotgun formation for most of it. Yes, they were. It's lame. It's lame football. So I think it's time to put this game to bed. Yeah. Sorry, guys. It it was a rough rough game to watch, (laughs) and it's even a rougher game to talk about. Agreed. Lions. That moves the Lions to 7 and 3 on the season, the Cardinals to 9 and 1. And now. We look before we look ahead to next week. I know Lewis, you wanted to bring up an, a topic on everyone's favorite player, and Dama can So, Lewis, the mic is yours. It was just a. It was just something I thought about. Do you think the Lions would be the best team in the NFL if Sue restructured his contract? Yes or no? 
I'm, I don't think it would have made too much of a difference. You There's, don't think it would have made too much of a difference? No, I mean, they could have signed Brandon Flowers, who currently is the best cornerback in the game. But, currently. But you don't know no, if they no. would have re- if no. they would have signed Brandon if they no, had, But if they would have had the money. No, they did have the money. He only took like a $1 million contract. They had the money for Brandon Flowers. But, I mean, they only had like $100,000 left. It wasn't a, statistic, it wasn't a, a cap-friendly move. No, it, it wasn't was. A cap I move. think if they would have had more money, something like the Buffalo game would have been a win. Even though that was Alex Henry's fault, I think it comes down to they could have plugged in a couple more players that would have, like a Cassius Vaughn. We wouldn't be yelling at Cassius Vaughn for giving up two touchdowns to Michael Floyd, I think, if they had a little bit more well, money. Well, there you go right there. They got Cassius Vaughn when they could have got Brandon Flowers. They picked up Cassius Vaughn before Brandon Flowers was even picked up by the Chargers. I can almost guarantee Well, yeah, that. because he was a cheaper bargain bin because they didn't have a much, a much money to work with. I don't think you can play the what if game. I think you can. Well, say, I wasn't. I, I, that was just my topic. It was just. Yes I, I know no. it's your Do topic, you think... but I. I don't think that you can. I don't think you can say the Lions would have been a better team if they had restructured Sue's contract because you don't know what they would have done with that money if they would have done anything with it. You look at next year's free agent class and it's loaded. It's loaded. I mean, you have guys like Julius Thomas, Carmelo Mark Ingram, Anthony. <laughs> Carmelo Anthony, uh, Demarco Murray, Des Bryant. These are Demarius Thomas, Randall Cobb. These are guys who are all free agents next year, and these are only offensive players. Then you go look at deep, the defensive side of the ball. You see Darrell Rivas, Justin Houston, Jason Pierre-Paul. I mean, these are some pretty big names that I think the Lions might be looking at next year, and I, I think Sue's out the door. I think I think Sue is gone, and I don't and I don't really have a problem with them re- not restructuring Sue's contract because I'd rather save that money for players who want to play here. So I don't think Sue wants to play here. And put that money towards players who are going to help the Lions win. And I don't think Sue, besides last week's game against Miami, I don't think Sue has done much to help the Lions win this season. I I disagree. Do you, their I, defense I, is number one in the uh, league. It's just one of those things. Their I, defense I, is number one in the league, but Sue's in I agree number one to in disagree. I want to I want to agree with you because it all the Lions defense has become a giant working machine, and Sue is just one of those parts in the machine that makes it work very well. He's the best player on that defense. Would you rather have that money going towards an offensive tackle or an offensive guard? No. No. I would. I would, too. I think the Lions... No, because it's not, it's, that's not what they need. You, they don't need an offensive line? No, well, they, they, they do need an offensive line, but where, what their defense right now... Is legend? It can be legendary if they keep doing what their offense right now is sputtering because they don't have any blocking. Nope, nope. It's Joe Lombardi, man. I'm telling you, it is Joe Lombardi. Oh my! It's not all Joe Lombardi. All I'm telling you, it's not all Joe Lombardi. How how can okay? The offensive line is bad and it's in shambles, but their draft picks are plugged in and they're doing a decent job. What draft picks? You mean Travis Swanson? Yeah, he's doing a fine job. And Eric Ebron? No, Swanson's look good. Swanson's look good, but Van Noy we've hardly seen Who's, anything. Who's uh, Garrett Reynolds? He's a, he was a draft pick. He's in at, le- at right tackle. Okay, okay, they're not that great. I understand. Yeah, well, you can address it in the draft or in free agency. I understand, but you don't want to keep Sue and that defense going. I don't think they. I don't think the defense needs Sue to stay going. I really don't think they do. Wouldn't you rather see them go after a guy like Justin Houston, who's been killing it for Kansas City, or a guy like Jason Pierre-Paul, who can they, who they can plug in at the end? I don't think there's anything wrong with the ends for the Lions. Jason Jones's contract is up. Yeah. Oh, well, if I his contract's up, then go for it. Imagine Ziggy Ansa and Jason Jones rush. rush I mean, Ziggy, An- <laughs> Ziggy Ansa and yeah. 
picturing it now, even though it's already happened. Ziggy Anson, Jason Pierre-Paul rushing the quarterback from both ends of the defensive line. And then you could still use that money to re-sign Fairley. We still haven't brought up the fact that Fairley's still going to be there, too. Do you want Fairley over no, Sue? No, of course no, I don't no. want Fairley no, over don't. Sue, but Fairley's going to cost a lot less money. Sue is asking for more money than J.J. Watt. We don't know that. What? Yeah, you know that. You know that Sue's going to be that. getting more money Sue than J.J. Watt, and he would, wants more money than J.J. Watt. Sue would already be re-signed if he didn't want Sue more money than J.J. Watt. didn't want to get trapped with a team that sucks. That's why he wanted to play out his, his last year on that contract. I, I mean, that, You don't want to get trapped. Yeah, but I think he already had his made-up mind that he didn't want to be trapped. I, it, it's not it, always... I mean, I understand, Sue, it pretty much seems like it's all about the money, but it's not always about the money. Those contracts are, you know, deal with the devil. Yeah. You don't want to get stuck with a crappy team. Like and Giancarlo Stanton switching Giancarlo. gears right 13 now. 13 years. Wow. Yeah. Justin Verlander is stuck with the Tigers, and I don't personally, <laughs> away from the lines, I don't want Justin Verlander on the team anymore. He's wasting space. Sorry. Side we are. I didn't mean to switch gears, but yeah. it, was, it, it made Side sense. Because you, you a little get bit, stuck. But, but no, but it, contracts are ridiculous, but there's a no good salary example, cap though. there. It's a there, good example. It's hard to compare, though, because there's no salary cap in the No, NBA. I just thought it was a good example of that. You know, Stanton is stuck with the Marlins for at least six years, and they're a crappy team, and they paid him to stay there. That is why they paid him. Like, Nadam can suit. What are you going to sign him? Six years, and he's going to expire in six years. He's going to get too fat and slow. These huge deals are literally crippling these teams. You're signing these mega deals. And I know we're probably not going to talk about it now, but I want to talk about it later. Megatron, he's wasting space. He keeps dropping the ball. God, like, you're wasting money on the team. Like When you're as big of a name as Indomitian Sue, you want to be paid as a big name like Indomitian Sue. I want to go, I want to look at some comments that Des Bryant made, and I know that I brought him up as somebody who's a free agent next year. Des Bryant said, I'm very loyal to the Cowboys, but I want them to prove their loyalty to me. And you don't think Indomitian Sue wants the Lions to prove their loyalty to him? He wants to be paid like J.J. Watt. Indomitian Sue is going to get more money from J.J. Watt, and I don't think it's going to be from the Lions. I think you can look at the Cowboys, the Jets, or the Giants as possible destinations for him. But Mm -hmm. I think he's as good as gone, guys. And I don't think I'm going to miss him much at all. I would have to agree. I don't think he's going to be. I'm just dreading that day. That I like click on my phone and I go on Twitter and I see that rumor mill and it's like Lions give Sue Max contract and I see oh, like God. and I see a two. Or not a two. two I'm sorry. Million? I'm thinking of baseball. I don't know why. I know why, but I'm I'm seeing that I'm seeing a one just pop up immediately. And then I'm seeing like a six and then I'm like I I'm I, just, re- I, I can already imagine I know Indomitian Sue, highest paid defensive player in NFL history. Yeah, I well you're gonna see that no you're matter what happens, that. but I just don't want Detroit to be labeled on that one. Um, I, I hate that I brought I it up and it was dumb. Sue I wasn't anymore. even prepared too much to talk about it. I just brought it up anyways. But Indomitian Sue's a hot topic. It is He's a always hot a hot topic. topic. Big contracts kill teams and Sue didn't want to get trapped. That's all I got right now. I would agree. I just think that if he would have restructured, he did, here's the thing: he didn't even have to restructure. Did he have to restructure? Like he could have just done it for a year, couldn't he? Could he just restructure for a year? That would have helped out just a little bit. A little bit. But I think Nadama Kinsu just has a good agent. That's what I think. He fired his agent to get a new one. Yeah, well, he's with Jay Z now. He's a good Jay Z. Actually, Jay Z is not his agent. Jay Z Rock Nation. Jay Z is his promotional guy. He Rock a, Nation yeah. agency or whatever it's called. A lot of you see a lot of the big athletes going there now, and yeah, like Geno Smith. Oh God, Geno <laughs> Smith. I, I had to put that in there. Yeah. Well, I think Sue's gone. I don't know about you guys, but I won't miss him much if he is. He is. I promise now that I won't bring him up again until the off season. 
Deal. Other other than statistical game talking, we won't bring up the contract. Even though it. I have a feeling he's going to get brought up again, it's going to happen in some way. No, I'm, he's oh, going to stop no, on that. another. He's going to stop on another Packers. Sue, oh, no, I was Sue I, I, I to our podcast. That, he's going to. Yeah, gonna... no, he's we're going to bring up again about in game statistical things. But I'm talking about contract wise. I won't bring it up. It'll get brought up. We should put it. Not there, necessarily. We should. We should make a we clause. Should, we should make a pact. A no put... Sue clause till the season is over. Any contract talks agreed, or until they arise from the media. True. Okay. Agreed. Passed. Agreed. I just agreed. I, agreed. I let's talk about so the. I know. I thought we were agreeing to talk about his contract until the end of the season. All right. Let's agreed. look ahead to next week rather than the off season. And it's something that I'm a little scared to talk about because I'm a little scared for this game. But the Lions next week, uh, for Week 12, going against the New England Patriots in Foxborough. Guys, the Lions stand a chance against a team who I think is the best team in the NFL. No. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, no, no Chris, team. No you, team. You seem to be the outlier here. The Lions' defense is number one in the league for a reason. If they can score points on offense, they can beat them just and, like any other team. And that's where I'm. That's where my concern completely lies. Yeah, I mean, I didn't say they'd win, but they have a chance to win. Their defense allows them to win every week, week in and week out. Highest scoring team was the Panthers, twenty-four, and that was because the offense had four turnovers. It's up to the offense to step up if they want to beat Tom Brady. I mean, this is a team that's won eight out of their last nine games. They started the season two and two, and people were like, oh, my God, the sky is falling. And now you just look at the, some of the teams that they've beaten recently. Denver, Indy, I mean, well, Chicago, so it's not that impressive. They beat Cincinnati. But... I don't know how to look at that one, but they beat them. Cincinnati's a bunch of frosted flakes. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did lose to Kansas City and Miami, but that was a while ago. And teams change, and this is a much different New England team Wait. than the New England team that we saw the first four weeks of the season. I'm about to go back on my what I just said, though. The one thing that concerned me about the Lions game this last week was that they were on a three-game win streak. And that, you know, you no, I'm sorry, a four-game win streak. You can't win them all. You eventually have to lose. And I was thinking that the Lions were going to lose specifically because you, you they're not the Patriots that went 16-0. and you, You're going to have to lose eventually. But you just said that. No, I know, but so... But now, as I said, I'm going back on myself now. Is this the week that New England loses? Because they can't, they're they not going to be a two-loss team. This is the best defense Why not? the Patriots have faced. Why aren't they going to be a two-loss team? Because it's the NFL. That's why. The competition's way too high. Well, guess what? I don't think they're going to be a two-loss team either, but I don't think they're going to lose this week. I think they're going to lose next week against, at Lambeau. Yeah, I mean, that's... Unfortunately, for the Lions. And I think you can kiss your NFC North division dreams goodbye. You want to know what I want to know? Do you think Jim Caldwell might have gotten ahead of himself and planned for the Patriots ahead of the Cardinals? No way. No. no. He's been I mean, preaching go one and zero each week. I don't think he's uh, that. I mean, the Cardinals game bad. had a lot more implications on it because if the t- Lions had won that game, they'd be the number one team in the NFC. Now they're one. Now they're one game. Now both Seattle and San Francisco are one game out of a playoff spot and overtaking the Lions. The Lions all of a sudden are. I'm a little scared that they might not make the playoffs. Last week we were saying, oh, they're in, they're good. And they lost to a Cardinals team who I said last week on the show they were going to lose to. But I'm a little worried they're not even going to make the playoffs now after that loss. Call me crazy. And even if they do make the playoffs, I think the Lions proved last week that the Lions can't play up to that level of competition. Do you think I'm wrong that the Lions can't play up to a playoff team level's competition? Yeah. Because I yeah. think they proved that in previous seasons I would that have they haven't to been agree. able to. Previous seasons, I'm not looking back to previous seasons. This is a new coaching system, and 
It's not fair to go back and judge the Lions. This is a new team with the number one defense and a very, very potentially amazing offense. Potentially amazing? I, 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 I read a tweet from Dave Burkett the other day, and I wanted to bring this up. The, the NFL lists 15 official offensive categories on their statistics website. The Lions are 21st or worst in all 15 of those offensive categories. Whose fault is that, Lou? Can you remind me whose fault that is? Joe Lombardi? Thank you, Lou. But you, but this is a potentially amazing Lions offense, you just said. Yeah, and it's being held back by poor coaching. It really is. It's really not that hard to say, hey, diddle diddle, Joyke Bell up the middle, How and then throw it to Golden Tate. How hard is it to not blame Jim Caldwell for some of the offensive play calling? Because he's not a play caller. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying it's that Jim Caldwell shouldn't take any of the heat. I'm sure right now he's probably yelling at Joe Lombardi. I'm sure he's not. He's not yelling at Terrell Austin, that's for sure. He's got to be yelling at someone, and I bet you it's Joe Lombardi. I don't think you can be so quick to blame Joe Lombardi when we really don't know what's happening behind the scenes. It's his first year as an offensive coordinator. He has to take all the heat. All of it. I don't think it's fair to. It's not fair to put it all on Stafford, but it happens anyway. I'm not putting it all on Stafford. I'm putting it's a it on the fifty-fifty split. I'm putting it on the offensive line well, and yeah, guys uh, like Dominic Rayola and Rob Simpson. They uh, have on there. There's it's there's such a flawed. For you honestly, can't blame it all on one guy. It's so you cannot blame it all on the play calling. It's so astonishing that we're currently in a confused rage argument about the offense. That at the beginning of the season, everybody was like, Psh, "That thing's fixed," but the defense is atrocious. I remember saying before week one, oh, the Lions are going to win a lot of 42 to 35 games, or they're going to lose a lot of 49 to 40 games. I said top five for both sides of the ball. I had faith in the defense. Thank you very much. But what I'm trying to say is, if you're a good coach, you're able to disguise your weaknesses, and the Lions' weakness right now is the offensive line and the secondary. And, okay, Drew Stanton threw all over them last night, but Terrell Austin still seems to shade the, you know, makes... He puts band-aids over the boo-boos. And Joe Lombardi can't do that. He's not, you know. Uh, Good analogy there. I, you know, Terrell Austin's got more band-aids. Band-aids and over Joe Lombardi is not certified in first aid, and he needs to be. Someone needs to show him what But you think with Joe Lombardi calling the plays, the Lions still stand a chance against New England. Against the New England defense that is very good, especially the pass defense, guys. I mean, you've got guys like Aqib Tlaib and Darrell Revis out there. You saw how much Calvin struggled with Patrick Peterson. He's some Calvin struggled with Darrell Revis in the past, being stuck on Revis Island. And then you've got, or they don't have a keep to leave anymore, do they? No, that's no, they the, don't. Yeah, they have Brandon, Brandon Browner. Browner. Brandon Browner. Darryl excuse Reeves. me, but still, like, and I know they're kind of banged up on the defensive side of the ball, but this is still a really strong defensive team, and only allowing twenty-one to Denver and twenty to Indy, two of the top offenses in the NFL. You have to wonder how putrid the Lions' offense is going to be next week, and it I'm can't be worse for... than it was last week. Yeah, that it was can the be. One... No, it the can't. elements, man. It very well can be worse. The elements. I don't think it can be worse. It's going to be cold. It could be windy. I mean, Matt Prater can't keep it straight in a dome. You think he's going to be able to keep it I straight? I think in it's the going elements? to be an excellent game. The Lions are going to bounce back. Jim Caldwell brought this winning culture. Golden Tate brought this winning culture. James Ahegdebo brought this winning culture. They're not just going to. Fall asleep at the a winning culture that they well if it's a winning culture then why couldn't they win why couldn't they win against Arizona last week 
Do you want me Arizona to say it again? Arizona was the better team. <laughs> do I got to say it again? Joe Lombardi. I want to know. Do you, Poor you guys think, Blake do you guys think that win streak and the cardiac, the whole cardiac cats comeback saga was a fluke because no. of the defenses that they played? No, I don't think it was no, a complete fluke. I mean, some of that is coaching. You know, it was coaching. Do you think it was a little overhyped, though? I got another thing. No, man. Because I, I think it was. I don't know how to answer that. I think it was a little bit. Cardiac cats. That was no huddle, hurry up, two minute offense. We're we're fans. We watched the game. Things that we notice, they're pretty good when they're in no huddle. And Matthew Stafford's calling audibles, whatever they're doing. Why aren't they doing no huddle more? Yeah. Why aren't they picking up what? on things like this? I've I've this been wondering failure. that too. They had the Lions against the Giants compared to the Lions against anybody else the rest of the year. The team looks different, and I I don't know if it's just they approach the play calling differently because it's different schemes and different teams. But I mean, they look pretty exciting and confusing of a team on offense in that first week, and they put up thirty five points, and I, that hasn't happened anymore. They look pretty predictable, and they didn't look predictable that first game. I mean, you also have to you also have to remember the Giants are. Awful. Well, yeah, but so is Minnesota. So is Atlanta. So is New Orleans. Is okay. The Jets are awful. Could you imagine if so the Lions could have get off to a good start? What? In all of those games, what's the common what's the common denominator? Is the Lions did not get off to a good start in Except any of those games? Except against the Giants. Except against the Giants. Where they had that different, and they just looked different. The, if the Lions played that two minute drill football, they'd be scoring points every quarter, and they don't do that, and that's failure of the coaching. Talk. I want to know from you guys real quick. We're going to get back to the Patriots game before we give our predictions. I have one over-under question for you. Actually, I'll, I'll give you guys two over-under questions. Ooh. So I'm ready. the Lions have given up 221.5 passing yards per game, whereas Tom Brady has thrown for – he's thrown for 2,600 yards this year, and most of those games over 250 yards. I want to know from you guys, over or under 250 yards for Tom Brady? Under. I totally think under. Um, over. Because they're not going to be able to run the ball, so he's going to be throwing all game. Then the Patriots have given up 241 passing yards per game. Over or under 250 for Matthew Stafford? Under. Over. Under. It's going to be, this game is going to be, minus this whole roughing situation that happened, I'm pretty sure this game this coming week is going to look a lot like last week. I think, I think there will be a coach. I think the change. defense can. I think the defense can hold it down. That not hold it down completely. There's going to be some breaks. I mean, we're going to see a Gronk spike this coming week. I'm telling you. Oh, for sure. I think we're going to see a couple Gronk spikes. But I, I think it's going to be a very low scoring game again. I can't see the Lions. I can't see the Lions getting blown out by New England. I can see them losing. I can't see them being blown out. One name to watch out for, and this isn't because he's on a couple of my fantasy teams, but Shane Vereen. Don't, I'm not worried too much about Jonas Gray, who, by the way, Detroit Country Day, just a little bit of a shout-out. But um, I'm a little more worried about Shane Vereen catching balls out of the backfield. He's a shifty dude. He is I'm a not. shifty dude. I'm not. No no backs are have taken advantage of DeAndre Levy in that linebacking core. Yeah, it, I, I, I would agree. I think I think Vereen's going to get one of those big plays. I think so, too. But I, I also think it's not going to be a high-scoring game just like last week. All right, well, then on that note, let's get to our predictions. And I think I know where a couple of us are leaning, but Chris, I'm going to start with you. Final score for the Lions and the Patriots in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium Sunday at 1 o'clock. I think the Lions lose 18-14. 18-14. I think the Lions lose 14-7. to Okay. 
I'm going I think the Lions are going to be I think the Lions are going to lose 28 to 10. Ooh. I think it's going to be ugly. Sorry it's, Lions. It's going to be hard to watch. Until they Sorry, turn Lions. Around, until they turn the offensive side of the ball around, I I can't I can't trust them especially against Tom Brady. Just want to point out I was the only one who said the Lions were going to lose last week and I was the only one who was right. I hope we're all wrong this week, but I think with all this might have been the first time we've all unanimous, unanimously picked the Lions to lose, and I think that's a pretty it's a pretty bad sign for next week. But hopefully, we'll be back next week celebrating a Lions win. And I just want to thank both of you guys for coming onto the show, Chris and Lewis, like every week. And I want to thank everybody for listening to the Lions Den on Impact Sports. I'm your host, Michael Heiger. My co-host. Louis Bellata and Chris Bogus. Any final words from you guys before we sign off? Mm. Fire Joe Lombardi. <laughs> Hashtag Fire Joe. Hashtag Fire Joe. Well, I have two more words that are a little more positive for us to leave the show, and those are Go, Go Lions! Lions!